Are you ready to generate way more leads with way less struggle? I have great news for you. I'm now accepting new students into High Performance Agent Academy. Inside the Academy, you'll get eight months of customized support from me and get access to my entire playbook, sales, marketing, social media, systems, all of it ready for you to copy and paste right into your business. Check the show notes for the link to learn more. We start on May 1st. Okay, my friends, we are diving into one of my absolute favorite topics today, which is how to acquire your first short-term rental. About a year ago, I achieved my lifelong dream of buying a home in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and I run it as a short-term rental through the Airbnb platform. Luckily, I've had a lot of success with getting things up and running. I leveraged some really amazing people and resources to do things the right way. And in this episode, I'm going to unpack for you how you can do the same thing and pick and buy a great short-term rental to build your portfolio. So let's get into it. Hey, my name's Tina Bellavo, and I am obsessed with all things real estate, growth, marketing, social media, technology, and team building. If you're an ambitious agent who's hungry to grow, work on your own terms, and build a thriving life outside of your business, this is the podcast for you. I got into real estate when I was 18 years old and grew my business from nothing through referrals and social media. And since then, I've built a top-performing team, and I've sold over 1,700 homes and $400 million in sales volume. In this podcast, I keep it real, and I tell you exactly what I'm doing to sell tons of houses, lead my team market my brand, grow my social following and database, and maintain incredible work-life balance. I'll never shy away from sharing my biggest mistakes as well as the juiciest parts of my secret sauce. Pull up a seat and get ready to learn and be inspired. This is the High Performance Agent Podcast with Tina Bellavo. Welcome back to the High Performance Agent Podcast. I am your host, Tina Bellavo, and I am here to talk with you today about one of my favorite passion topics that just so happens to intersect with real estate, (laughs) which is how to acquire your first short-term rental. I have had a lifelong dream of owning a home in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, and I achieved that goal about a year ago. And the way that I'm funding that goal is by renting it out on Airbnb. So I got on this journey about a year ago. It's gone really well. There has been plenty of learning curve, much of which I'm going to unpack for you today. But overall, it's been a huge success story for me. And actually, it's the first thing in real estate I've brought my husband into the fold on, which has been fun. And also, I don't know if any of you have spouses that are not in the industry, but Him kind of being on the front lines of real estate issues has been very affirming for me to see him realize what it's really like to be a real estate agent and have your life blown up seven days a week by people. But anyway, it's been a huge success story for us. And people just come to me all the time now saying, I want to have an Airbnb and I want to fund a vacation property and like, how do I get started and all of that good stuff. So today I'm going to talk with you about how to acquire a property And the things you want to be thinking about, planning for, and aware of ahead of time so that you can be as successful as possible. I'm also going to do a follow-up episode on what to do after you've actually bought the property (laughs) to like set it up for Airbnb. This is a very big topic. So 
Today, we're going to really focus on buying, which is always important in real estate to buy the right property at the right price so that everything works from there. Because with investment properties, it really is about numbers. So I'm going to give you the tiniest bit of backstory on where I'm coming from because I am definitely a guru in certain things in real estate. I know a lot about sales, marketing, real estate teams, et cetera. But I am not like this crazy, like accomplished investor. So you're listening today to someone who is very humble about this topic. And what I want to impart is if I can do it, you can do it too. And if you like, I can start with one property and so can you. And sometimes I think it's hard to learn from people that have these like huge portfolios and it can be hard to resonate with or understand how they even got the funding and all the cash for the down payments. So if you're just looking to start small and understand how to get going, that is where we are going today. And that's what I wanted to start off by saying is I was not an early adopter with anything about investing. Like for the, I don't know, first 75% of my career, I just wasn't that interested in flipping houses or buying rentals. There was also an intimidation factor for sure. But if you've been a little slow to get on the investing train, don't feel bad. You're just like me. (laughs) It's never too late to buy a good piece of real estate. Truly, that's how I feel. So I have like slowly and conservatively made some real estate moves over the years. Like back in 2012, when I got married, I kept my first house and turned it into a long-term rental. I still own that house. And then I got it on a 15-year mortgage during our rush of really low interest rates. And that thing is going to be paid off before my kids even go to college. So I'm so pumped about that strategy. So it's not sexy. I have one long-term rental, but it is being paid for by my tenants. And I love that. And that's why I love my beach house. And then in 2021, I flipped a house. So really at the end of 2020, an opportunity came into my lap. I was liaising directly with the seller. She was really looking for that easy, simple path of just selling it as is and not necessarily bringing it to market and doing all the things that would entail. So I got a great value on it, bought it, renovated it. I ended up GCing the project, which was my personal nightmare. (laughs) So that was a bumpy ride. And flips don't have to be super bumpy, but for me, it was bumpy. That said, it was a great time, like buying in the winter and then selling in the spring, my market timing couldn't have been better. It was insanely profitable. So that was my one flip. I have not felt called to do that ever again. (laughs) I'm definitely more of a long-term systems-based person, which is why I've realized like kind of the world of Airbnb and like short and midterm and long-term rentals just resonates with my sensibilities a little more. I guess I'm more comfortable with like medium risk, medium reward than high risk, high reward, which is what the flip business feels like for me. And I never want to discourage anyone, but I just feel like you don't get real talk about this stuff from people sometimes. In case you missed it, High Performance Agent Academy is officially open for new students and we start on May 1st. Do you feel frustrated by making slow progress, sick of your systems and CRM being a mess, lonely and tired of figuring out how to grow your business on your own? And are you ready for a breakthrough in your sales, marketing, and lead generation? First of all, you're not alone. I have been there and I've blazed the trail to solve all of those problems. I've assembled every single system, template, and marketing strategy I use so you can copy and paste them right into your business. If you're ready to transform everything about your real estate business, 
this is your golden opportunity. I will walk alongside you for the rest of 2024 and help you plug these systems directly into your business. And we will customize every element to your market, your brand, your voice, and your goals. High Performance Agent Academy starts on May 1st, and I don't want you to miss the boat. Head to the show notes to get the link or DM me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo, and I'll send you everything you need. See you in the Academy. So basically, I've had my one long-term rental. I did my flip in 2021. And then in early 2022, I just realized that I was surrounded by these amazing women who were total Airbnb gurus. Like one of them is on my team. One of them is in my like EXP network. And she was doing all this creative stuff like Airbnb like her basement. And then she turned a bus into an Airbnb. And now they're going to do something with a barn, like super creative, which of course got my wheels turning of how many opportunities there are out there. And then I met someone else who like designs and is like a very high level property manager for Airbnbs and is really good at helping people get like luxury pricing. And I put this panel together with these three wonderful ladies and interviewed them and got into their heads about everything they know and their like their angle of the business because there are so many ways to approach not just short-term rentals, but even the business of midterm rentals. But what it did was it inspired me and it empowered me to actually see a way where I could go buy my beach house and fund it through short-term rental income. So I had that panel in February of 2022. I think I started house shopping a month later. I was under contract by April. We settled in May and we opened on June 4th of 2023. No, 2022. I'm losing track of what year it is. (laughs) Yeah, June of last year. And we have been almost 100% booked since the day that we opened, which is a testament to a couple things. Buying right, buying in the right location. And not only did we buy in a thriving market for year-round demand, we also bought specifically in a great location in a development close to the beach. So I'm going to talk more about that. But like buying is a huge part of why we've been successful. The other reason we've been successful is what I'm going to talk about in the follow-up podcast of all the things we did to set the property up, to be lovely for our guests, to have great systems, to get five-star reviews, to become a super host, and all the things that can like fuel that fire. But if you don't buy right, you're going to have an occupancy problem <laughs> or at least like a cash flow problem, depending on how you manage everything. So that is really what I want to just beat a dead horse about today and give you some tactics. So a couple just like mindset things to think about up front. When you are buying a piece of investment property, in my opinion, number one, it's all about your upfront homework. It's more homework, in my opinion, than buying a home you're going to live in. Like when you're buying a home you're going to live in, it's really just deciding the area and then picking the best house. With investment properties, there's just a lot more financial stuff to figure out. You need to look at projecting income, projecting expenses. And sometimes you don't have good data. So you're projecting, you're researching, you're analyzing, you're often looking at more of an upfront cost potentially like out of pocket to either renovate or at least touch up or furnish, especially with the short-term rental game. So the upfront homework is just even more important. I just feel like there's less room for error. But if you know what your homework is and you know the market you're buying in or you've leveraged a great realtor for that market, then you'll be fine. But you just can't skip that upfront work and expect everything to work out. 
So we're going to talk about what that upfront work looks like. And if you're thinking about buying in a market that you don't live in and know really well, this we are all realtors listening to this, I think, for the most part. <laughs> we all know the value of a great realtor, but having someone who can bring local market insight is really important for a bunch of reasons. I'm going to explain today, same thing on the mortgage end, working with a loan officer who can run with all the nuances of that market and not have issues because you've brought someone out of state into the equation and then they're not aware of certain ins and outs. So those are the things that I think can make or break the decision. And then the other thing is like getting into the short-term rental game is to realize that it is more than just a rental property. You're starting a business that is like dual. (laughs) So the first part is yes, it is a rental property. So you're becoming a property manager or hiring one, which I'll talk about more later. But there's the property management aspect. There's also the hospitality aspect that is above and beyond what a long-term tenant would ever expect. And then you're also just opening a mini business because you're probably making a bigger upfront investment in inventory. Like when you have a long-term rental, you're not furnishing it. You're not figuring out how many rolls of toilet paper you need to provide per guest and per check-in and where to store it and how to replenish it and keep track of it. So you're, you're setting up inventory systems, some technology. There's a much heavier lift of all the vendors that keep that like hospitality business running. And then there is more ongoing customer service and management generally when you have a long-term rental and if the house is in good repair and your tenants actually pay on time, like there's not a lot to liaise about except when things pop up. So there's just, there's more work for a short-term rental than a long-term rental. And the risk reward is awesome because people pay a much higher nightly rate for that kind of service, but someone needs to provide that service, whether that's you or a team that you employ, manage and all of that. So I say that to say that when you're getting into this, you need to calculate into your life plan, your time and energy plan, and your numbers if you're going to really be that manager and coordinate a lot of the things I just listed, or if you're going to hire a property manager, and then you need to factor paying them into your numbers. So basically, you're starting a mini business. And in my, I'm just going to share a lot from my own personal experience, starting this mini business of for my short-term rental is worth the work. And I do self-manage because it is the financial payoff for me is that my vacation home is being I'm on track in like the second calendar year of ownership for it to be fully funded by rent. And then hopefully I can even cash flow on it in the future. I think that's very possible, especially we if we make some investments to uplevel it from being like quite nice to full luxury. So that's my vision and it's been totally worth it. So those would be the first things to just think about upfront is that you need to do more homework. You need to be willing, in my opinion, to leverage some really good professionals if you're venturing into a market that you do not already know, like the back of your hand. And then you do need to assess, am I really in a place where I can start the mini business? And if not, maybe do the numbers work on this property as a long-term rental, and then you can always convert a long-term rental into a short-term rental. In fact, it just occurred to me that maybe I should consider doing that with my long-term rental in Baltimore. There's a lot of opportunity there. I'm just going to wait till the right moment in my life plan (laughs) to do that. But the thought is absolutely there. So those are your like starting thoughts. And then I want to give you three key questions to ask yourself for that financial upfront homework. 
So number one is what can you afford? And this is what we do in buyer consultations with our buyers all the time. But you want to figure out up front what financing options are available to you, what down payments are required, what do monthly payments look like? We're typically looking at higher interest rates than residential like owner-occupied properties, although there are some workarounds with that. For example, a lot of people get a second home loan where you maybe only need to put 10% down and can still have a very favorable interest rate depending on so many things and what you represent the plan for the property usage to be and what kind of lender you're working with. The options are really going to vary, but just some big picture loan types for these properties. You could get a second home loan You can get just a conventional investment loan. They tend to start at 15% down. 20% down is a little bit more common. I think your lowest down payment option would probably be if you can find a 10% down second home loan. I bought my house with a second home loan, but we ended up needing to put 20% down anyway because it was a condo. So it's a townhouse, but it's a condo ownership. That is, again, the kind of stuff that you want to know up front and start figuring out. There are some other options that are really great to know about. There is a loan called DSCR. Google that if you want to look into it later, DSCR. It is a way to qualify for a loan based on the projected rental income as opposed to like traditional like appraisals, like comps and stuff like that. So a lender could potentially qualify you for a loan based on the income the property could generate as opposed to looking at your income and and like just resale value. So you do need projections for that. It's definitely more of a specialty. And again, that's where like working with experts who can help you with projections or provide that data is going to really be important to bring that together. But the DSCR loan is a really great option that not everybody knows about. You also could maybe look at tapping a home equity line of credit on any other real estate that you already own. You could potentially also look at doing a cash out refinance on another property you own and using that towards a down payment or maybe an acquisition overall, depending on (laughs) the equity in the current home and the price of the new one. And then I think a lot of people forget that there are so many people out there that also want to get in the investment game in real estate, but they don't want to figure anything out, but they have money. Partnering with someone who has money and then just coming up with a plan of who's funding what and what the equity split is and obviously documenting that is a great way to get your foot in the door. There's also something called arbitrage, which is a way some people get a leg up in the short and midterm rental game. It's like subletting. Basically, you rent a property in a long-term lease from an owner as a renter, but they give you written permission to short-term rent the property, and then you basically make the excess money between your long-term lease and what you're bringing in on the short-term income. So that is... You should Google that or (laughs) listen to other podcasts about that. But if you're really like, how do I get going with no down payment besides like a security deposit, arbitrage could be an option for you. So hopefully that gets you thinking on some ways you could finance the property. So that's question one to ask yourself is what can I afford? Question two, and this should maybe be the first question, is what is your goal or investing strategy? Are you looking to make money on a monthly basis like cash flowing Or are you looking to perhaps do a little bit more of what I'm doing where you're just looking to cover your costs and subsidize a second home? Do you require both? Knowing, starting with the end in mind of where you want to end up is really important. I felt clear when we bought our property that rates were already on the rise. Home prices had already skyrocketed in that market. So for me, it was more of a decision of 
if I can get to covering my costs, does that work for me? And I have determined that it does. And I love it. So that's my personal strategy. And then the third question is, where do you want to own? Do you want something local just to get in the Airbnb game in your market right in your backyard? Do you want to convert an existing long-term rental into a short-term rental, like I mentioned earlier? Do you want to do what I've done and find something in a vacation market where you want to spend some personal time and build equity? Or do you want to invest in just a completely different market? Some people go after cities with really strong tourist traffic. A lot of I've seen some really smart investors on Instagram who buy in other parts of the country that are way more affordable where they can get their leg, their foot in the door, their leg in the door or whatever, get something in the door and perhaps find something for a much lower sale price where you can actually get a down payment together and get your portfolio off the ground and potentially grow that there, pivot into something different down the line. So you want to know, it's basically who, what, when, where, why, and how. So where do you want this home? What is the point? What is it that you're really aiming for? And then how do those numbers start to fit together from a financial aspect? What do you qualify for? And then as that's going to back into a house price, and and it's also going to back into requirements for what the projected income and expenses are going to look like so that you can make sure that your numbers really work. And so that's where we're going to pick up and get a little bit more tactical of, okay, Let's say you've done this big picture homework. You just did everything I said. You've got your numbers straight. You know where you want to be. And I'm going to assume that maybe you're going into a market that is not where you live right now and where you wouldn't sell a home to yourself. And if you are, great, but you can skip some of these steps because you're probably already going to know. So number one, you want to hire a local realtor with short-term rental expertise. This is absolutely critical because (laughs) if you... Don't have that resource. Can you survive? Absolutely. But in my experience, like I'm very savvy. I understand a fair amount. I understood and knew a fair amount about short-term rentals before I bought my property. I ultimately hired a local realtor who I'm sure had some expertise, but she didn't offer certain pieces of information to me. And I didn't know to ask until I learned a little bit more after the fact. So those pieces of information that I'm talking about are number one, what a realtor can often help with is providing income projections and or expense projections, depending on the market. Like in Hilton Head, it's common for rented properties to go on the market and maybe have a rent roll or at least something. This property just didn't have that, which is fine. I actually was able to piece together information on other similar properties. So on the projection side of things, I was fine. The things that I didn't know that worked out to be okay, but would have maybe just behooved me to to have a little bit more insight on, is that there are a lot of cities and towns that are like clamping down on short-term rentals for a couple reasons. The hospitality industry has been hurt by the short-term rental industry, so there's a lobby against short-term rentals. In general, like tech platforms disrupting markets, there's always blowback where you know, the old guard is, we don't like this. We don't like Airbnb, get out of my neighborhood type stuff. And then similar to that, neighborhoods, certain neighborhoods don't like the constant turnover of daily rentals or weekly rentals. So sometimes there are basically, there's le- there can be legislation that you don't know about unless you ask or know to research it. Or there can be legislation that is in process that is about to come to pass. And I've seen a lot of stories about this in a couple Airbnb forums that I'm in in Facebook 
that people sometimes buy in these markets don't and they don't even realize that a law is about to be enacted that like short-term rentals aren't allowed. For example, some markets have limits on short-term rentals. For example, in Baltimore City, to have a short-term rental, you must acquire a license, which is not a big deal. You just need to get it and pay, I don't know, $1 to $200 is my guess of that. But you can only have one property in your name as a short-term rental. So if you were to start buying a bunch of short-term rental properties in Baltimore City and not know this, you might find out that you actually can only legally have one. And it's hard to get get away with. Like your neighbors will know. Like it's just, that's an example. I've heard of certain markets that have years-long waiting lists to get short-term rental licenses or markets where houses come with a rental license. And if they don't, then you can't get one. So a good realtor would point all of this out to you. For me with Hilton Head, the licensing wasn't a big deal, but there was a like a law or a, I don't even know. The town of Hilton Head was in the middle of deciding all of this stuff that came to pass after I settled, but was absolutely something that like people on the ground knew about. And they were in the middle of creating some restrictions about parking and having an on-site property manager who could be at the house at any time within 30 minutes notice. And things that might have affected my decision, or at least would have wanted to know that I was going to need to comply with extra things that were in process. So you want to know about any sort of pending legislation and restrictions on the town, county, and state level. The other thing is that some HOAs and condo associations have restrictions on short-term rentals. Some of them don't allow them at all, or they need to be at least a week or at least 30 days. One reason why Hilton Head is such a safe place for my strategy is that it is a market that was built on the short-term rental industry. So even though they might start doing some restricting and this and that, it's not nearly to the level of other places I've heard about where there's been like a serious clampdown. Or there are like townhomes near where I live now that I've always thought would be great to short-term rent, but they have a 30-day minimum, which could be fine if you're going to do a midterm rental strategy, but that is a different set of financials and expectations. So having resources, a local realtor who's, you could be selling homes in the market that you live and work in every day and not really be familiar with your own guidelines. So at a minimum, you want to do your research and ideally leverage experts who know what's up with that. So that would be something to be aware of from the beginning. So you don't start focusing on a town or neighborhoods where it's not even a viable plan. So assuming that's in place, then you want to start identifying properties and evaluate both the income and the expenses. Evaluating the income, there's a couple ways to do it. Again, if you're working with an expert realtor, they would hopefully have some resources for you. Rental history on that property or similar example properties is how I was able to analyze the opportunity for my property. Sometimes, especially in vacation markets, local property managers will have standing projections for neighborhoods or developments. So you could reach out to a vacation manager. You know, if you're looking at Ocean City, Maryland, I know as an example, there are some like local firms that can provide projections. There's also a really great service called AirDNA. If you want to Google that later, that is a way where you can buy little chunks of data about projections for specific areas. So I didn't actually end up using AirDNA for my acquisition, but I know it's a tool that people really love. But either way, you need to come up with some projections that are reliable because you're going to be relying on them. And then from there, you also want to look at all of the expenses. A couple things to think about normal property expenses, things we're always aware of as agents, right? The mortgage payment, 
utilities, condo and HOA fees, property taxes, all that kind of stuff. The above and beyond things to be aware of that are a little different with a short-term rental, number one, platform fees, depending on what platform you're going to use. As an example, Airbnb keeps 3% of every dollar you you gross, including your cleaning fees. So that's something that you would want to have as a line item in your budget. The biggest line item in your budget is property management. If you are not going to self-manage, there are so many different scopes and levels of property manage managers out there for short-term rentals, from a flat monthly payment to a percentage of every dollar. The percentages for what is called co-hosting and or full management tend to range between 10 and 30% of gross revenue. That really depends on how full scope and high quality those services are. So that is obviously a huge, that is your biggest ticket item long before you worry about 3% platform fees from Airbnb. But you want to get clear on whether you're self-managing or not. And you can probably imagine those percentages dictated why I decided to self-manage for at least as long as it makes sense for me. As my cash flow grows, I'll definitely be looking to delegate that out. So if you want to look at management fees, platform fees. And then, you know, in general, you might have heavier utility costs. Like with long-term rentals, you probably don't pay for cable and internet. With a short-term rental, you almost certainly would. You're going to have cleaners. You are going to need extra insurance that costs more than regular homeowners insurance because you will need like business level coverage and you want to look at things like loss of use. So say there is a, say your water heater breaks and it sends water all over your house and you need to not have renters in there for weeks while they like repair all the damage. Loss of use would cover you from all the rental income that you wouldn't be getting during that time. As an example, that kind of insurance costs more, but it's very much worth it. Otherwise, you want to budget for any improvements you need to make to the property, either upfront or over time, general maintenance and repairs, it's a little bit heavier use. So often it's heavier maintenance bill-wise than a short-term or sorry, than a long-term rental. And then you also want to budget for taxes. Now, if you use a platform, they can add the taxes on to the revenue that you're bringing in. But most towns, cities, and or states have additional short-term rental taxes or hospitality taxes that you need to pay or direct your platform to pay. So again, that's something that a great realtor, in my opinion, would bring to your attention saying, just so you know, here are some things to know about this market, these neighborhoods, these short-term rental restrictions, and these taxes. And then ideally, you would factor that in. And then last but not least on the expense front, you want to think about all of your upfront expenses. So if you're going to, like I said before, renovate, make repairs, Maybe you buy a house furnished, which is certainly a hack to not have a huge out-of-pocket to buy furnishings, but if not furnishings, perhaps decor. I bought my house furnished, and then it had the most egregious decor. <laughs> there were like It was like a fish theme. There were just fish everywhere. So we were, And it was such a testament to what we all know as real estate agents, which is if you strip away enough of a home's decor down to the bare minimum, it looks way better. <laughs> so we stripped out every piece of decor went down just to the core furniture and then built like new decor on top of that like new curtains new lamps all that stuff and it was a really affordable way to do it it was still thousands out of pocket up front but nothing like buying sofas for two living rooms and furnishing three bedrooms and a dining room and on and the house i bought even came with tvs they weren't great but they were there that kind of thing so that was a huge help for us so 
you need to, and that might be a house by house thing if you're looking at a market where a lot of homes are sold furnished. But that would certainly be something to work into your projections, at least for year one, and kind of that upfront output. And then last but not least, these are the two things that you should know. (laughs) But I see in the Airbnb forums all the time where people post their listing and go, why isn't anyone renting it? And then you go and look at the photos and you're like, oh my God, it's so bad. So you've got to stage. And when I say stage, style, like pictures with a cup of coffee and like a cozy blanket thrown across the bed or the sofa, like photos that sell. Because in the short-term rental business, people are booking your house off of the description, the stats, the number of bedrooms and bathrooms and all of that, and the pictures. And if your pictures stink, you are just losing so much income potential. So we invested in the best photographer I could find on Hilton Head. He did such an amazing job. We have great photos. I brought my stager from Baltimore down. I paid to bring her down (laughs) there with me to style the house and make it a 10 out of 10. And boy, was that worth the investment. And also, just as a side note, huge help having someone help me set up the house. I would have been so overwhelmed doing it all by myself because we were on a tight timeline because that's how I am. (laughs) I like to turn things around and move along. So that's just to recap the expenses, right? You want to just look at your upfronts and then everything it's going to take to maintain the property. Definitely expense heavier than long-term rentals in most cases. And then you just want to understand that like you are starting a mini business. There are startup costs. You've got like your year one projection versus years two and beyond. One of the really wise Airbnb ladies in my life told me to not expect to net a dollar for the first 18 months. And and in my case, I think we could net a dollar after month 12. But if I had to buy furniture, I probably wouldn't have. So her advice, I think, was really wise. And again, if you bootstrap something differently than how I'm describing, you can be profitable way faster. My friend Caitlin, who did her basement and the bus and all of that, they were able to cash flow way faster because it was just starting a little bit smaller, a little bit more, I don't know, bit by bit is the best way I would describe it. So that's what I have to say about buying. And buying is a couple things. Number one, you want to get clear on you and your goals and your money and where you want this house to be. And is this the right thing for you? And is this can take on this mini business? Or do you have a great property manager or partner who can really take on the the time and the psychological burden of running the business? So that's part one. And then part two is getting the numbers right for projecting income and expenses, and then also making sure you're avoiding these pitfalls as it relates to legislation, restrictions, licensing, taxes, and all of that. None of it is rocket science. So I hope you feel more empowered and inspired by this than overwhelmed. Like any buyer that came to me saying, I want to buy a house, where do I start? Just take it a step at a time, right? Talk to a great lender, start to figure out your numbers, start to vision and write down what it is that you want to accomplish, and then go from there. So thank you for being with me today. I could talk about this for hours. I will have a follow-up episode coming on how to set your rental up for success after you've bought the house. So keep an eye out for that. And in the meantime, I hope these tips help you figure out what your strategy should be, where you want to buy, and really helping you avoid some mistakes that can get in the way of being profitable and proud of what you've created. That's it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the High Performance Agent Podcast. Make sure to subscribe by hitting the follow button so you don't miss the next episode. 
And check the show notes for links to all of my goodies, including my newsletter filled with tips for ambitious agents. You can also find me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo. Talk to you soon.